Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we review the 17 points to 18 win against Gloucester. It was a cold night on a rock hard pitch and an out of sorts Bristol did well to come away from King's home with the narrowest of wins. We also preview the next game away at London Irish and our first ever visit to the Brentford Community Stadium. We get the inside track on the Exiles form when we speak to the chair of the London Irish Supporters Club. We also give our thoughts on the decision to scrap relegation this year and have a 13-team league next season. All this and much more in this week's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, we got back to winning ways, but uh, it was only just. But boy, has it been cold this week. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about that and the influence on the game. Um, Lee, are are your cockles warm now after a weekend of rugby? Uh, I'm not quite sure if they've fully warmed up yet, (laughs) to be honest. But um, my cockles are still in the the correct position. So uh, that's that's a bonus. And... um, yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll get to to take apart Friday night showing and um, and hopefully we'll try and make some sense of it between the three of us. Yeah, I should just say that uh, Miles was due to be with us uh, tonight, but uh, as some of you know, he he works at uh, at the hospital, the uh, Bristol Royal Infirmary, and had to stay on at the end of his shift. So. Uh, this one uh, is for Miles and all the, the good work that he's doing there at the BRI. Pete, let me come to you. Um, yep, you're half term now, so uh, you're uh, you're on holiday. Well, yes, I suppose if you call it that, uh, in the, except there's nowhere to go or anything to do. So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I'm just going to spend the week uh, trying to entertain my daughters, playing a lot of Cluedo, uh maybe a bit of rummy cub and actually my favorite game which is where in the world uh spot the geography teacher there well lee let me come to you let's talk about that game at king's home it was the rifles cup um how how did you anticipate the game did we were you confident uh, after the defeat against sale that uh, we were going to do the business against bottom of the table gloucester yeah i was tony i'll be honest i um now, I, I don't know whether it's this was – I've been talking for weeks and weeks about us not getting above ourselves and getting too overconfident going into games. Obviously, I said the sell defeat was probably a perfect time you know, to happen. But going into this game, I really thought we're gonna, we, we would have learned a lot from the sell game. Uh, Gloucester, I mean, their injury list was equally as bad as ours, isn't it? Um, obviously, they've got a few internationals out as well. Um, May, Harris, Reese Samit, I mean, Varney, top-class players. So I went into this putting all my money into a big, big win. Um, and I don't know, looking back on it now, I don't know whether I was just overconfident and I really should have started believing what I've been preaching for the last few weeks. Um or, or whether it was just a poor performance. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I, I need this little session tonight as a bit of a therapy because I'm not quite sure really where I stand on it. 
Okay, let me let me come to you, Pete. Then um, your 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 overall thoughts on the game. Uh, King's home hasn't been a happy hunting ground for us. I think uh, until that victory last night, that was only our fourth ever win at King's home in the league, and of course we we won uh, the last time we visited. So it, it's not been somewhere where we've been lucky as uh, uh, Bristol in the league. Um, what did you think going into the game and your your kind of overall thoughts on, on how we played? Well, I was confident, to be honest, and I was confident after we heard what Ed... <laughs> From uh, Cherry Pod said last week on the pod, you know how that they were their defence was awful and they you know had a one-dimensional game plan. And I thought, well, if they if they're like a sub sale, then we'll have learned enough from that game and, and have enough firepower to win. I must admit, on the day in the afternoon, I did start wondering about the weather actually about the, the surface because I suddenly you know hadn't dawned on me that that it could be a really difficult playing surface and you know and I, and I do think that 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 did have quite a lot. Um, lot to do with the final result and I mean you look at the stats I mean we we were pretty dominant in the stats and obviously in the end only just scraped by and of course we've all got to be happy with a win we're still top of the table so you know there's there's lots lots to be happy about but you know there were there were clearly a lot of cold hands out there tone but I think it was more a case of brain freeze for the boys at certain times in that game well let's let's look at that that uh opening uh first 20 minutes or so uh lee we got off to a flyer the brinoceros was uh over again um you know if, if you put a each way bet on him scoring it's it's easy cash isn't it it's like going to a cash point and putting your card in you know you know you're going to get some money back um but obviously he we then saw on the bt sports that he'd done something to his knee warm up and uh he was off after seven minutes with Purdy. Um, at that point, were you a bit concerned? Well, one way we're five points up, but then obviously we've lost two players within the first uh, seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I did predict, obviously, uh, the Brinoceros scoring again for us. So another 50 quid in the bank. Thanks, thanks Brian. Um, but no, I, I was... I was concerned that obviously there was, there was a, um, I mean, Purdy would have been absolutely up for this game, wouldn't he? Being released by Gloucester. Um, and I did think that it, it did disrupt us. Now, I, I like obviously the system is all set and it, it shouldn't have made a lot of difference. But obviously we're talking about key players here. And even though Will Capon is absolutely brilliant for, for us when he does come on, I, something just didn't click in that game, and I and I I can't really put my finger on it, if I'm honest. Well, I think one of the things that certainly uh, didn't help us was uh, time and time again passing to their players instead of uh, ours. Um, Pete, let me talk to you about that first interception try. Um, you know, do do you put that down to poor play for Bristol, or was it just good defensive uh, work by their young Argentinian winger? Well. Clearly, Tony, it's probably a bit of both, actually. I mean, he is a, a class operator. Let's not uh, let's not forget that. I think he didn't he play in that 
team that beat the All Blacks as well. I mean, he's 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 not a he's a, he's got a lot of experience, and you know, clearly, I you've got to give him some credit for those intercepts. Um, but I've got to say, the first one to me, Piers O'Connor didn't even look. I just thought it was a bit of a set move that uh, he just didn't look and. It was a gift, really. Um, Ciali's one a little bit later on, the guy had to work a little bit harder to get it, uh, albeit it was even more of a risky pass. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just seemed very odd that they we tried to force the game uh, where we should have just... You know, just taken taken our time and and made that made the right decisions, and we've got so used to that happening quite well in recent times that it was quite a surprise to see it. And I think, of course, once you give away two interception tries, then 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 people start worrying a bit as well. And um, and I and I I did wonder whether we just kind of had you know had lost the the cohesion, um, and we needed somebody on that pitch to sort of get everybody together and so on. I mean, I, I don't think the forwards played that badly. I thought they played well. I thought they were they competed well. They, you know, big. You know, when you start looking at individuals, you think, wow, um, you know, Dave Atwood stole loads of lineouts. So Chris Bowie was everywhere. All of the big Dave and Hughes was doing his thing, but it was just something wasn't clicking. We were slightly off beat, and I don't know whether it was a a panic that after those two interceptions, we started to panic that we had to try and do something more rather than just say, okay, just go through the motions. Let's do the right things. I mean, actually to be fair, we then did get it all together and we, we scored a great try, which was like back to normal again in, at the end of the first half. And after that try, I thought, you know, I think the second half we'll, 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 we'll pull away. <laughs> and it obviously wasn't quite like that. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting we talk about that, uh, the this, the second interception. I think, you know, if the first one was a bit 50-50, you know, to me, that second one, we just threw a, a completely unnecessary pass. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the guy did well to collect it and, and, and finish it. But uh, boy, oh boy, I, I don't think that pass should ever have been thrown. Uh, Lee, let me come to you. Um, we talked about their Argentinian winger, of course, making his full debut for the Bears was uh, Chaparro, Tatas Chaparro, or something that, that sounds vaguely like That's that. That's good enough for me, Tom. That's good enough for yeah. me. You know who I mean, don't you? You know the big Argentinian. Uh, and, you know, he, he went off after about uh, 22, 23 minutes, but I thought he he had a storm in uh, 20 minutes. And uh, certainly Willie Hines has uh, got a little imprint on his chest where uh, he went to pick up the, the, the ball and uh, our, our new guy went uh, went straight through him legally. Um, but uh, what what did you make of make of him? Well, obviously, it's, I mean, it's difficult to judge after 20 minutes, but I, I was massively impressed. And for me, the physicality, I mean, Hines done that a couple of times during the, the he, he had a bit of a nightmare, to be fair. Was, he had a torrid time. He, didn't he, he? really Absolutely did. Torrid. And he was kept lifting the ball off the ground. And then straight away, I mean, you could just see Shaparo was just like, oh, target. It was a bullseye. Willie Hines' face was right there. And I mean, as as much as we can judge him on twenty minutes, I I thought the guy was absolute class. Um, one thing, just quickly, I wanted to go back to what we referred to earlier um, is the, the the thing that surprised me about us forcing the issue and the interceptions was that Pat was really adamant in uh, pre match. 
talking about control, about control in the game. And that was that seemed the, the least thing on our mind when we went out on the pitch. We seemed to be doing just silly stuff that we haven't done for ages. Um, and it was it was just it was really strange why we we were forcing those passes as well as Gloucester did play out wide. Um, they were attacking the wings fantastically, but they could only do that if we gave them the option. And I, I was it was just so uncharacteristic for me. Yeah, Pete, I think you wanted to come in there. Well, I was just about to say that I think we've we've got to give Gloucester a bit of credit as well. Like Lee said, that they 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 probably played a lot better in that first half than most of their fans ex- were expecting. And you know, I think we've you know, there's always two teams in, in a game, and it's all very well sometimes for us to assume that we'll just rock out there and have our control and play the system. But you know, other teams have got other ideas, and you know, clearly the last two games, I think. We we are now learning to live with a bit of a target on our back, and uh, that's something that when you're at the top of the table, you've got to learn. And of course, we've also got ridiculously high expectations now about every game, uh, and I think we just have to remember that this is a very competitive league, and you know a lot of teams can beat a we lot have, of teams, and we've we just, have, we have I to wind we, it in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think we have to be. You know, it's when you think we talked about this, didn't we? Three years ago, we went to Ealing. Well, we talked about it the other pod, didn't we, with Tony's hat story? But that was only three years ago, and you'd think now we're at the top of the tree. We, we, we still. It still takes time to get that yeah. kind of almost like that memory muscle of of decision making that, like a team like Exeter, have perfected over ten years now. So I think that we always got to be a little bit careful about bemoaning the fact that our system didn't work and we lost control because there are other other factors in play like the opposition um and and i think it's actually a really good thing that we won that we ground out a, a victory the stats were with us we were clearly trying to do the right things and uh and we, we we scraped it by the week before we didn't um and i think maybe it's a little bit of a hangover from the bath game that was so ridiculously anomalous in the sense that they just offered nothing that actually you could argue that the second the last 20 minutes of that bath game was when some of this perhaps slight these slight issues came in where we started forgetting about being a team and started trying to be a bit of an in trying to be individuals and but yeah I mean you know let, let's say I, I still maintain that a win's a win and we won it with a Yoan Lloyd a 19 year old drilling over a difficult penalty in the circumstances and what great learning that was for him no, absolutely. And you, you mentioned the stats there. Uh, Bristol had uh, 62% possession, 65% territory. Uh, we made 113 tackles to their 182. Uh, we made 525 metres to their 451. So all the stats are saying it should have been comfortable. But uh, it it was nothing like that, was it? Um, so, Pete, let me come to you. Jake, Jake Heenan's try before half time. I think that that five or ten minutes leading into half time, it really looked like things were going to click, and uh, it was a great score, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was. It was textbook Bristol uh, or textbook what we've been used to. Uh, I think it was a stolen line out from Big Dave Atwood. We did a classic sort of uh, wrap around Miss Room, Miss Moving Midfield, and then a little pop to Yoan Lloyd on the loop. He offloads to Husey. Nathan smashes through a couple, and then 
a very quick, quick ruck ball, which is what you want, you know, on their 22. And and, and old Dave Atwood pops up again in the centres, taking control, saying, look, I don't trust Ciali and Piers. I don't trust you to take the pass here. And then popped an absolute beauty to Lake, to, to Heenan, who was on a, on a delicious um, supporting line. And then uh, I, I've got to, I, actually, I'm glad you've asked for this now because I want to say it. I mean, he had, he did, he still had about 20 metres to go, didn't he? But, um, um, he did. Uh, he did leave Willie Hines uh, playing catch up, didn't he? In his slipstream. Oh, <laughs> oh dear! Here we go well, again. Well, Hines and Woodward were just just looking at each other, shrugging their shoulders. They, 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 it was a poor attempt at tackles for both of them. But but Dave Atwoods, I mean, he, that was soft hands, wasn't it? Is this if he'd been bathing them in fairy liquid all week, they were that soft. Um, but but things looked good then. I thought, and I thought, yeah, we we're, we're starting to cut out the errors uh, and play our game. Uh, but uh, no, and. Um, you know the their third try in the second half. Uh, again, I think personally, I, I I was a little bit surprised by the player ratings in the Bristol Post this week. I think they were. I mean, for some of the forwards, I think Dave Atwood had a storming game. I think John Afoa again was dressed everywhere. I and we've already talked about it. I th- I think amongst the pack, uh, it it was it was a pretty solid performance. But in the back line, I think uh, pe- some people there didn't have their greatest game. And one of those as well, again, I think Andy Uren. Um, and I, you know, the third try, we gave away a penalty on our scrum. Um, I just felt he was a little bit hesitant, uh, wasn't getting the ball into the scrums and out of it quick enough. Uh, and also at the breakdown. I mean, some some lovely breaks, um, but, uh, you know, certainly their, their try, their their the territory came from again our our mistakes. Um, so, Lee, let, let let me come to you. Um, the the performances I've touched on a few people there. Anybody that you particularly want to mention? Uh, what in a good way or a bad way? In any way you like. I I thought I thought Ciali being one of our elder statesmen. I thought he had a, a I wouldn't say a poor game, but I would say an average game for him. The, again, we've already said about the pass that he threw out was uncharacteristic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought Charles was, was again, you know, just, just average. Um, didn't get a lot of the ball, admittedly. But um, on, a, on a good note, I would say Dan Thomas was, was his, usual, uh, his usual self. He's been a right pest in there. I thought Hughesy played well again. Um, and we, we do want to say, even though it, it probably wasn't his, his, his greatest moment in a Bristol shirt, but, you know, it is, uh, we, we do need to congratulate Andy Yoren on his undripped cap. So, you know, undripped appearance, I should say. So, you know, even though it, it wasn't the, the greatest performance, a um, hundred appearances for, for his local team, you know, you have to give full credit Absolutely, you know it's great to see a Bristolian rack up that many uh, appearances for 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 the club. Um, Pete, let me come to you. Any any players you particularly want to mention? 
Um, well, I think I think we'll mention Yoan Lloyd again. I mean, I think he's he, he was pretty battle hardened after that game, wasn't he? Because he, he he did get a bit of a battering, which I think is no bad thing. He, he he's learning he's learning how to live, you know, now with a, a target on his back as well, rather than just the whole team. Um, and I think he is he is still you watch him with his footwork and stuff. He's such a slippery little player, and he 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 still manages to. To retain possession when he's when he's tackled by three big big units and and you know get the offload off and I, and I think it's it's great for him that he is getting this run in the team. Um, I just wondered whether when it clearly wasn't working that well, I did wonder whether it, we could have brought Sam Bedlow on for a bit of stability, maybe just to simplify things a little bit. I I just think that if I imagine being nineteen like Yoan Lloyd and things aren't going that well your instinct is to kind of try and do something really good and perhaps do something slightly different rather than just nail the basics a little bit. And I just felt that, you know, he could have, he could have drilled a few deeper kicks just to put Gloucester on the back foot a bit more. I don't don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's hard on him. I mean, he he was very competent and he's 19. He was very competent, but I just think that halfback pairing again, that has to be so good. That has to be so on point. You everything has to be the, you know, they have to be, communicating and like Lloyd is, has got to be communicating with Oren and Oren's got to be responding they've got to be making like decision after decision correctly and I just think maybe that was a, a you know one of the, the problems and I, and um, you know it made us made me think that you know we really have we really are missing Harry Randall and Callum Sheedy just on those little marginal game bits of, of making the right decision at the right time but take nothing away from him he's a you know he, he, he learned I think he learned a lot in terms of his physicality as well, um, on on uh, on on Friday, so uh, he can only get better, really. Yeah, Lee, I think you want to come back in. Yeah, it's just a real quick one, team. But I mean, obviously, I mean, we've just already said that Hines didn't have his greatest game, but Hines in twelve trees are still. We have to remember, there's still an established halfback pairing. And, well, they're not, well, are they, really? With, trees, I mean, well, 12 Trees is the centre. Yeah, but I mean, established as in established players, you know, they're experienced yeah. players. So, you know, the, the, the nous, even 12 Trees uh, being out of position, just the nous of, of how to dictate a game, um, you know, is, is things that uh, Lloyd's going to learn from. And I, and I think that, this is this will ultimately this will be good for for Lloydy and like Peter said he he does some amazing stuff um, and sometimes I think that he can try a bit too hard when sometimes the simple things like putting your 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 boot through the ball uh, you know is going to be more beneficial but these are things that he will learn in time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the experience that he's going to get over these set of games, and we'll talk about next week's game in a minute, and obviously Sheedy could well be back from that um, as it's a break in the Six Nations, but it's it's incredible experience that he's getting. And I know that, you know, that's what Pat says, you've got to play. Uh, you know, to to progress. Um, just just some some people I want to call out. Um, I've already mentioned a foer and that word. Um, Dan Thomas. I mean, we're recording this on our normal Sunday slot. It's Valentine's Day today. I, I think Dan Thomas was probably closer to Willie Hines this Valentine weekend than, than maybe <laughs> Willie Hines's partner's been. Um, he he was all over him. 
um, and a very very well deserved man of the match. Um, I know Piers O'Connor threw that first interception, um, but I thought defensively he played really well, and I yeah. think that's part of his game that's that's come on a lot. I mean, he also made uh, 104 meters, which was the the most meters by any Bristol player. Um, I, I wanted to particularly shout out as well Will Capon. Um, you know, to come on after seven minutes. Um, and I thought he performed really well. I think he made the most tackles as well with 14 uh, in the team. Um, yeah, to, to be honest, I think the subs all came on and, and did a job. Interestingly, again, the only person that didn't come on was uh, Tom Kessel for yeah. the second week running. And I, I just wonder why that is. Is Pat trying to to build Andy up and say, look, you you are, you know, one Harry's away, it's you're the man? Um, because I, I thought that last 10 minutes or so, Tom Kessel maybe would have um, given us a little bit something different. But uh, um and the other one, um, may, maybe it wasn't his most sparkling game, but I thought was an absolutely superb moment was Luke Morahan chasing back to yeah. make that cover cover tackle when they when we threw the third interception. I mean, um, Yain did well to uh, take the first guy out, but he he was catching him quite comfortably, I thought. But when he offloaded it, um, I thought Morahan. Uh, well, that that probably. That that was the point that got us the game because I yeah. think if they scored, then we we might really have uh, have struggled. Uh, so uh, uh, a mention to him as well. And how, Luke, how many I, times? How many times has Luke done that though? Yeah. Saved us defensively because we 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 see him as obviously the the guy that scores the tries, but defensively has really pulled us out of yeah. a, a fixture at and times. In, in the first half, he I mean Thorley gave him the outside a couple he, he gave Thorley the outside a couple of times and he, he he took Thorley down and he is quick. So I think it wasn't just that it, it, it wasn't just that intercept um pass that he saved us basically but in the first half as well and I agree with you I completely forgotten about Morahan it was almost as if he'd been drinking a load of coffee before the game or something just to get that little bit of uh, extra extra adrenaline in him tone. Well, funny you should say that, Pete. Um, we we will talk about Luke and coffee a little bit later on in in the game, uh, in the in the podcast rather. Um, and I, I thought another crucial point for me was uh, I think about halfway through the first half they uh, they had a break and I think someone kicked ahead and uh, there was Leua. Uh, and about four of their players charging towards our try line, and uh, Lehua did well to uh, to get the ball and, uh, and and then not give away a penalty. So um, all, all in all, I think a disappointing performance. We'll we'll take the result. We'll take the Rifles Club back to uh, to Ashton Gate. But uh, I think Pat said in his post match interview there were some uncharacteristic um, mistakes and not following the system. Um, and I will imagine there was a few words said on the coach back at the M5. I bet they didn't get to stop at Gloucester Services for one of those <laughs> nice nice pies on the way back. Um, Lee, you wanted to uh, chip in with a comment. I just wanted to say, can we mention the game management again at the end? Because this is something that we haven't spoken about collectively for a while now because we seem to have um, fixed those problems but the game management right at the end of the game here we've got we're 
you know, we've got the ball. Uh, we just needed to see it out for, what, a minute? <laughs> and we ended, up, we ended up turning the ball over again. And it, it, it was something that we did quite often, wasn't it? You know, over the last couple of, uh, of months, right at the end of the game. And it just felt like it was a blast from the past again that we'd, we'd, we'd sort it out. But it was, it, was, it was almost that fear again. When Gloucester got the ball back and I'm thinking, I could just see like a drop goal or something going, you know, just right at the death to finish it for us. And I don't see how we... I mean, it was brilliant work by Vui to, to initially win the ball back and then obviously Jake Heenan at the end. But I just can't see how we can't keep the forwards, can't keep the ball for a minute at the end of the game and just see it out. Why, well, do, I, 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 why do we have to I, I, worry so much? <laughs> I, I know. I mean, there's two, two, two times I was biting my nails. I think when Jan Lloyd was lining up that kick to win the game, um, and I was thinking, oh, that's a lot of pressure um, on a cold night um, when we haven't been playing well. And then, of course, when Will Capon went into contact, I actually thought initially he did very well to set the ball back, but then the support wasn't quite quick enough. They, To be fair to Gloucester, I thought they did well to, to drive over the top uh, to make the ball available. But that was like five seconds till the clock was going to go into the red one more phase and that ball could have been out. And like you, Lee, I just thought oh, there's a penalty coming here. We're going to, you know, we're going to give away a penalty and then that will be it. But but thankfully we didn't. So, uh, yeah, as I say, we, we take the win. We're top of the league still. Let's just have a look at some of the other results from this weekend. Um, our friends down the A4 and Bath did us a favour going up to Sale and winning 27 points to 22. Uh, Quinns uh, did uh, did Leicester at home. Um, Harlequins at the Stoop winning 37-24. Exeter uh, won again at home 26-3 against London Irish. Of course, that fixture last season, Irish did uh, cause a surprise and won down at Sandy Park. Uh, Worcester 13, Wasps 17. So uh, an important win there for Wasps. But again, Worcester are are struggling. Um, And of course, the match against Northampton Saints uh, versus Newcastle was called off because of COVID cases in the Newcastle camp. So uh, Northampton get the four points and Newcastle will get two points, which leaves the table after nine rounds. Bristol still top with 34 points, Exeter second on 33, and then Sale and Quinns on 28, and Gloucester bottom on 10 points. Now, we're going to come on uh, a little bit later in the show and talk about the news that broke, I think it was on Friday, uh, about the... Well, let's actually, let's talk about that now because I think it's re- really important that maybe it did have an impact on the game. Um the RFU and Premiership Rugby announcing that there will be no relegation this season. Uh, So uh, nobody's going to go down. There's going to be no relegation as well from the Championship. And um, providing the team that wins the Championship meets the criteria, it will be a 13-team league next season. Uh, Lee, let me come to you first. Um... Was it a factor, do you think, 
in this game and maybe even Bath's win at Sale that uh, the pressure was off and actually they could play with a bit more freedom knowing you know that there wasn't the desperation if you like to get the win in the four points yeah I, I think almost definitely Tone because like you say the pressure's off and, and teams can be more adventurous uh, without the threat of relegation um, and it's, it's interesting because before that announcement, I, I wouldn't have seen Bath winning itself away from home, would you, boys? <laughs> no, didn't didn't really see that the, the the form that they've had. No, and and I, I do think that it's kind of um, I, well, we all agree now. I mean, you guys have talked talked me around for the for the last six eight months, but I think we all agreed it is the it is the right decision. Um, it was it was always going to happen anyway. Um, and I think that at least now we have clarification on it, which we were all asking for a few weeks ago. Um, and we can all move on now knowing that, that, you know, we can just hopefully play some rugby and we'll be able to get some youngsters into, into squads now. And, you know, we'll be able to, to just enjoy the rest of the season um, with some free-flowing rugby, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And uh, Pete, a couple of points for you. Uh, First of all, do you think it's the right decision that's been made? And uh, secondly, what do you make of a a 13-team league next season? Well, I think think in the context of of this, of everything that's happened, it is the right decision uh, because I think there was more than just the argument of... Um, you know, of the fact that the championship, there's not enough teams, you know, that can come up, which has been the long-standing argument. I think it's the financial stability thing that is important to to get everybody back on track after a difficult season. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know really about the 13. I mean, obviously they want Saracens to come back up again. I mean, that's all part of it as well. Uh, but um, Ealing obviously may have a, something to say about that as well. Uh, I don't know, Matt. I don't know. Tony. I'm trying to think about the maths of 13. Is this like, does it make it more difficult uh, in the season or will we have to lose something else? Uh, presumably that's, uh, what is that? That's 12, te- 12 other teams. So that's 24 games, isn't it? Um, so it's a, it's a couple more games. Um, do you know what? It's funny though, because you've just, just us saying that Bath and Gloucester played a bit better with the news of uh, no relegation is kind of a good reason for having ring fencing, isn't it? Because they, they played better. But uh, obviously over the, the length of a season, it might be a different kettle of fish if you start a season knowing you're not going to get relegated. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, won't it? Because that'll be our... Um, if they do decide that they're going to continue it for another year or two for whatever reason which has been suggested that it might happen that would be it'd be interesting to see what it's like when you start a season knowing there's no relegation rather than sort of halfway through um so yeah i, I think I mean, actually just I, I, thing, I just remembered one thing I, I i remember pat got asked this after the game and the interesting comment he made was it doesn't he's irrelevant it was irrelevant to him he said all we do is every game we go out to play our best and to play the right way and to and to win, and that was quite an interesting uh, way of looking at it, really, isn't it? And if, if every team did that and every player did that, then it would still be great, wouldn't it? Well, I'm sure every team do do that, but obviously you still need a top of the table, mid middle of the table, and a bottom of the table, and you know, 
there's the, still a the, lot of incentive. The uh, there's still a lot of incentive for teams to finish in a high position just from a, yeah. I bet from a financial point of view for players. For, for you know, you get more if you perhaps if you finish third than if you finish sixth. So there's always going to be. I think an incentive to play well, but well, and, and also you, the European competitions as well, placings, aren't they? No, absolutely. The rankings for for Europe. Um, I think Hugo Monnier and a few other people were talking about, and I, I know there's been talk today that BT Sport really weren't very happy that the the jeopardy of relegation has been taken out uh, this season. But I was thinking, you know, is is there some kind of jeopardy, even though people aren't going to be relegators? Is is there some kind of jeopardy that we could inject into the game for whoever finishes bottom? So you know, like. If, if you finish bottom, your arch rivals fans can design your kit for the following season. <laughs> yes. You know, oh, so. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. So, is, is that, you know, we could redesign your club badge for a year? Um, so, uh, maybe that. Maybe that's something that the, the um, authorities need to think about. <laughs> and of course, I think the, the the RFU statement did say that potentially there might be a moratorium on uh, relegation for, for up to maybe four years or four years, including this year. Um, so it does feel like the long talked about ring fencing or, or changes to um, give more assurance, I suppose, to the 13 premiership um, shareholders is, is going to happen and i think they're also talking as well although you know very little detail about looking at the promotion and relegation and how it is uh how it works so you know will we see the bottom team in the premiership play off against the top team in the championship maybe in future years so uh it'll be very interesting to see how that uh draws out but i think they're going to come up with proposals within about the next three to four months so we can start next season uh knowing uh, how it's going to go well let's uh, let's move on now because um we've talked quite a lot and time is uh ticking away um next game is away on sunday the 21st of february it's uh london irish uh against bristol at the uh, brentford community stadium so our first ever visit to uh to this particular new ground head-to-head record um we've played irish 24 times in the league uh, they've won 13 Bristol have won 7 and we've had 4 draws which is quite a high percentage um, in uh, rugby terms so uh, as normal we've got uh, uh, the inside track on what to expect from our opponents when Pete spoke to the chair of the London Irish Supporters Club so let's listen to that now so, our next edition of Pete's Premiership Previews, I'm delighted to be joined by Jerry Brown, who is the chair of the London Irish Supporters Club. So, thanks for speaking us t- uh, to us tonight, Jerry. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and I think it would be great if you could start off by telling us a little bit more about the Supporters Club that you chair, its history, its membership, and, and what you tend to get up to in normal times. Okay, well, Peter, thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, The London Irish Supporters Club has been going since about the year 2000, and uh, we peaked at around 1,300, 1,400 members. Those were sort of the days when we were in the the Heineken Cup and the the Premiership final. And it's dwindled down uh, somewhat now. And obviously with the move to Brentford, that's had... uh, 
uh, a slight effect on it as well. But we're very, very, very bullish about the, the effect of moving to Brentford and that uh, we think that uh, the, the Supporters Club will gain a lot of membership over the next, over the next couple of years. Uh, as a Supporters Club, we, we sponsor, um, the main objective, is actually to support the, the academy, the London Irish Academy. Always had a very good academy and a lot of good players come through. Most of us, who, of course, went uh, down the road to Bath, but there we are. We couldn't, we couldn't help that. Um, but uh, we, we actually spo we sponsor three of the, of the academy players. And uh, the objective, as I say, is to, is to support and contribute to the, to the academy. Uh, we, have, we, we have had historically... Uh, a series of events. Uh, they might be barbecues at the club. We have meet the referee evenings, meet the coaches evenings, um, various interviews with the uh, uh, with the coaches and players. And they've been very helpful. The club's been very helpful and supportive of those. We've held those at the at the training ground at Hazelwood in in recent years. And uh, obviously, it's been a little bit difficult during lockdown. But we've been managing to do them. Uh, via Zoom. We held our AGM via Zoom as well, which was an interesting experience. And we did a, a sort of question of sports quiz there well, with, uh, with some of the players and some of the fans sort of formed, formed two teams. And uh, so that's the sort of thing we're doing and can't wait to actually gain access to our ground and to, and to welcome away supporters uh, to, to the new ground, which I've, I've been there just the once and it is a, a tremendous facility. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, it sounds that you've been uh, been really proactive despite external conditions that we're facing. So, yeah, we, we definitely uh, will look forward to visiting the, the, uh, the stadium. So let's think about rugby. London Irish are sitting kind of mid-table at the moment after eight games. I wonder if you could give us a, a little bit of a summary of, of how the season has gone for them. Um, what have been the good things? What, what things you're working on? And maybe some of the players that our listeners would be interested in hearing about. Well, we we've certainly improved quite a bit over the last the last few weeks. Made a bit not not very strong start to the season, um, but now the, the two two sort of key areas for the club has been the has been the second row. That with the the coming of, of, of Rob Simmons, the uh, Australian hundred cap Australian, and then Adam Coleman was back to uh, to fitness for a couple of weeks. Although unfortunately he's injured again, um, but I think that's really boosted the pack and strengthened strengthened the pack. And that's made us much more competitive. Um, and so the last three games were a good comeback and draw against Quinns and then two five-pointers. So we've done quite well in the last three games. Uh, we're unfortunate, really, to lose two games when uh, we were affected by COVID. We got two points for each of those. And, uh, in fact, the two points against Bath that we got for, for losing was our best performance against Bath for about seven or eight years, actually. So when we were... <laughs> Well, to be honest, I'm surprised. A bit perverse. They're, they're probably quite relieved that you didn't actually play them because <laughs> well, it might be more than two points. Yeah, they were they were going down just as we were really improving. We go, oh yeah, we might well have won that one on uh, on, on reflection. The sort of uh, I, I mentioned about the academy and our academy certainly does has produced a string of backs and uh, provided they're they're all fit and well. The back three, I would think, against you is Parton. Uh, Ollie Hassel Collins and Ben Loder, and they're, uh, they're they're 21, 22 years old. They all got loads of gas, really, really quick, and uh, uh, really good lads. And and the young fullback Parton is uh, uh, he's got very fast feet. He's uh, you don't he, haven't heard too much about him, 
but he's a, a very, very promising player. And uh, in, the, in the middle of it, Paddy Jackson is a very, very fine game manager and he's a bit understated, but not to be underrated. Yeah, I mean, do you do you have a, a particular sort of game plan that, that you follow as a team? Well, what we, what we like to try and do is score two tries in the first five minutes. That's really the, uh, the sort of prime objective. And uh, maybe another three in the last ten. That's that's sort of the general the general strategy, you know. Brilliant. But not 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 like England's game game plan though. But anyway, that's that sounds great. Well, let, let's um, let's think forward to uh, the game when Bristol Bears are going to visit um, the Brentford Community Stadium. Um, it's on Sunday the twenty first. I know it's always very difficult in advance, but how do you think the game might pan out? What are you worried about in terms of Bristol? And what should our fans be worried about, do you think, uh, maybe other than some of the things you've already mentioned? Uh, well, I, I, I just think the, the all-round game, the all-action game that, uh, that Bristol play is, is sort of incredibly exciting. And uh, I think if we, if, we, if we get something into mixing that up with you, I think that could be very, very, very tough for Irish. I, I think that we have got a bit more whoomph in the pack now than we've had for for a, for a few years, and we just might look to sort of keep things a little bit, uh, just a little bit tighter, maybe than we uh, than we tend to. But the the general the, the plan for the team is to use that that lightning fast back three and to really get them into uh, into the game. And you look look at the tries we're scoring, and uh, they're a mixture of half of them are. Uh, a rolling malls and rucked over, over line outs, et cetera, et cetera. And half of them are from the speed merchants. Um, so, you know, we do like to mix it up. And I, but I think if we try and uh, play it too fast and loose, I think we, uh, we could come a bit of a cropper against it. Mr. Redrada and, uh, and various others cutting us to ribbons. Well, I think you'll be you're lucky because he's going to be he's out actually for about six weeks, so he he's definitely gonna he's definitely gonna miss that game. I think so. Oh, is, is he? Yeah, he's oh, uh, right. got a knee injury. Um, so uh-huh. but we do have others. I hope. <laughs> so well, that's that's interesting. I think it sounds like it, it it could be a really good game, a really good game of rugby. Um, do you do you fancy giving a, a kind of prediction about how the way it might go, or do you want to? Keep your cards close to your chest. I, 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 I think, uh, I think if if we can come out with a couple of points, I think uh, you know, look within seven, and uh, I say we are scoring a lot of tries at the moment, so maybe a try bonus point. Uh, I think we'll do very well to to actually beat you. You're flying very high. I know that Sale uh, gave you a bit of a tough time the other week, but uh, uh, they they gave Irish a very tough time as well. I can tell you. I, I, I would say that you, you were favourite. See, I, Irish were always better as underdogs. You know, if we think we're going to win, we, we, we usually manage not to. But uh, so we, we always like to be the underdogs. Brilliant. Well, time will tell. Well, Pete, um, Jerry sounded uh, a, a lovely guy and nice to hear the supporters club doing uh, lots of stuff, even though they uh, they can't actually be at the club. And I thought it was interesting what he was talking about them sponsoring academy players. That was, that was nice to hear. Um, and nice to hear someone. And, and I think this is a theme that we're getting with all of these interviews is actually people look forward to playing Bristol and the exciting rugby that we play. Well, yeah. I mean, he was he was uh, he was more humble than one or two other 
uh, rival podcasters we've had on in the uh, in the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, really nice guy, proper. Well, I'd be disrespectful to call him old school, but you know, proper, you know, reflective guy, really nice, and really excited about the way that London Irish are heading and their kind of new chapter. And he was, he was, he was really up. You know, he said it's a real shame that we haven't been able to to welcome fans to the Brentford Stadium. He'd been there once, I think he said, didn't he? And he said that even there'd been quite a good collusion between the football club and the rugby club as well. And they'd even redesigned one of the areas so that there could be more mingling, I think, under one of the stands. Um, So Brentford had kind of doffed their cap a little bit to you know, to to what rugby fandom is like, and uh, and he was he was very very keen. So yeah, really nice chat. Um, he, he gave us a few heads up, didn't he, on a couple of uh, a couple of speedsters that we got to look out for. And uh, but you know, like like most of our pod guests, was predicting a Bristol win. <laughs> yeah. I know it's fabulous, isn't it? And yeah. I, I still can't get used to. I still can't get used to people expecting Bristol to go away from home and and win um, yeah. you know after all those years of us you know struggling and being the uh, the the underdogs in the West Country to um, you know be the team that's top of the table going to these uh, these uh, teams you know great old teams yeah. like Gloucester and London Irish and uh, people expecting uh, for us to beat them it's, uh, it's sure just fantastic he, he, he pretty he definitely have a Guinness lined up for us uh, the first time we get there so he promised that I, I was I was going to say, just such a shame that we're not actually going to these venues in person, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the potentially the greatest season we'll ever have. Uh, well, not ever, maybe, but potentially. And we're not there to be able to, to you know, like King's Own Tone, me and you at King's Own a couple of years ago. And it looked so so great for the first half. And then obviously we'd lost it. But you know these 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 wins. We don't take them lightly as Bristol fans, do we? I mean, it's, like you say, it's only our fourth win at King's Own, and they are absolutely hard-earned wins. And for us not being there to actually see them in person is is just awful, isn't it? I, I, I don't know about you boys, but um, I, I always, um, you know, it's 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 nice. I, I like the London games and uh, I'm really looking forward to um, going to uh, the, the new stadium and seeing London Irish there. Really look forward to that. Obviously not too, too bad to get to as well from, uh, from our part of the world. So um, Pete, let me come to you. Um, how do you think we're going to line up now? Obviously, there were a lot of knocks and injuries in that game against Gloucester, and um, I understand that uh, twice that evening the game was close to being called off because of the state of the pitch, and uh, I'm sure that's that's had some impact on those injuries. So there there will, I'm sure, be a few changes enforced. Um, who, who do you think we may see? come in to the 23 and who do you think will definitely be out well i start with nathan hughes it looked it didn't look good uh, when he hobbled off but then the reports after was that it might have only been a dead leg so uh, that's quite important because we don't really have an obvious replacement do we a number eight that because he's he's been kind of owning that position so well in in his own in, inimitable 
uh, style, sorry. Um, so it, it kind of depends on him. I mean, Fitz Harding came on, didn't he? He's, he's got a big rep uh, in the back row, young lad. Um, so, and obviously Heenan played, I mean, I imagine Heenan might have uh, perhaps started himself if, if we, again, we don't know whether Big Steve, Captain Fantastic, will be fit. Um, I, I hope he is because we. I think we need him back, uh, to be honest. So it's going to be tricky, isn't it? I think... Uh, I think the, the the locks it will be. I don't think there's too many problems in there. It'll probably be a maybe Dave will get a bit of a rest. It must have been a pretty hard game. Maybe Holmes will start and Vui start, or I don't know what's is Joycey injured at the moment. I I, I can't um can't remember. I I, I assume he's certainly unavailable. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine he, he he'd be unavailable for any reason for this long unless yeah. it was uh, unless it was injury. I don't know. I I mean I think it, a worst not a worst case scenario, but given the injuries, we we perhaps will see Cape on start, or perhaps we'd see. Um, uh, Vui and, and Atwood have to start again uh, unless Holmes comes in and, and the back row you know is, is a bit up in the air at the moment uh, so yeah that, that the engine room as we said it didn't do too badly really against Gloucester so I think any changes would be only enforced ones in terms of fitness and injury rather than selectorial whereas there might be a few other selectorial issues in the back line and maybe I'll pass that over to you boys <laughs> Well, I think before we go away from the forwards, you know, I, th- there are hopefully some options there. I mean, Luatoa, if he is back, and I think Pat's hinted that he should be back for next week, uh, has often filled in at uh, number eight. Um, you know, Holmes is one of those players that, uh, you know, never lets us down. Um, great ball carrier. Uh, and you could possibly see him coming in, partnering Atwood maybe, and Vui moving to uh, to the number six where he's played a few times already this season. I think it was Holmes. I Didn't think- Holmes score that try last season at Ashton Gate? on the wing when he took against London Irish last year, when he took on about, I'm sure it was them when he took on about yeah, three players, didn't he? So maybe he, he fancies yeah. it again. He just skittled them out the it way, is. didn't he? It was, yeah. it was, it was fabulous to see. Um, so, uh, and I think, you know, Capon looking at Burn and the discomfort that he was in after seven minutes, I can't see he's going to be back that quickly, but it's, it's, it's often strange, isn't it? With injuries, the ones you think look worse on the night, they often come back from. And sometimes it's just the little knocks that uh, perhaps uh, 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 keep them out longer. But I think Kloska will come then into uh, onto the bench to, to, to cover um, and uh, well, yeah. Let's let's talk about the backs, Lee. Who, who, how do you think we're going to line up in those backs? In the backs, I think we're we're still going to have. Um, we, obviously, Purdy's going to be out, isn't he? I mean, that didn't look too good. But then we've got Leowa to come to, to come in. Uh, no, do we reckon? He was an HIA, <laughs> well, wasn't he? It was a HIA, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean because they, they follow the protocol, don't they? I don't think it necessarily means he's definitely out. Right, uh, okay. Obviously, obviously, it will be a a doubt. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, it would be great if 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 he passes that and and plays. But the biggest thing for me is, obviously, it, it is what you've just said, Lua Tua. If Lua Tua plays, we play a different a different game totally. We've just, we've got that command on the field. Um I, and I just think that, yeah, we're pretty much going to be, we're going to be the same surely at the backs, aren't we? Is look, I'm looking at it now. 
Well, I think Siali Piatel, um, he uh, took a knock, didn't he, to the shoulder? Was it a stinger? I, th- I can't remember what Pat said after the game, but uh... but it's Siali, and I, I, I don't. I think it might might take a little bit more to to, to keep him out of the of the side, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't see maybe too many changes. Um, of course, what we need to consider, though, Callum Sheedy um, is uh, not playing for Wales this weekend, so he will come back because unlike the English RFU, um, the uh, Welsh, I think, Scottish can't afford to uh, keep their English players. Um, so, so he will be back. So do, do you see Callum starting? Or do you think he potentially is on the bench and we uh, keep Johan Lloyd on this this learning journey that he's on? Well, obviously, I mean, for me, Callum should start. But in the last game, obviously, Pat had, had played Lloyd from the start, didn't he, at 10? So I, I, I think that it could be a big boost of confidence for Lloyd to start and then keep Sheedy on the bench. And I think that's what Pat will do, I think, because... He's, you know, Pat likes to 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 put the trust in the players, doesn't he? And I think that, I mean, Lloyd didn't do anything wrong against um, in, in the last game. And I think that he, he, he needs more learning. Um, and I think he'll probably start with Lloyd. I don't know. I, I, I've got to disagree, actually, Lee. Uh, I think that given, I think that, Pat might put Sheedy back in. I think he trusts him to 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 get control in the game. And we discussed earlier that it was lack of control that was been our problem. So get the control back. Put your put your conductor back straight straight in the side. He's come off the back of a of a of a half, so he's going to be pretty fresh. Uh, I don't think Yoan Lloyd would be upset if he if he. Had a, had a started on the bench. He would definitely be involved somehow. But I, I'd like to. I, I think Pat, you know, rates Sheedy so highly as a, as a, as a manager, as a leader, as a game manager, I should say, and a leader that I wouldn't be surprised if he goes straight back in. But yeah, I mean, you can look at and it I, both I, ways. And I, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. But I just think that Pat might just. Might just stick with Lloyd just to just for the learnings more than anything else. And but I just I, I just think Pat's I don't know whether Pat's like you know he 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 wants to win like do the right thing and if he feels that a player needs a break because he's not quite there and he's got one that's ready to do it I I just think maybe I don't think there's any sentiment in Pat is there Do you think I mean I think it's it's all part no, of a master plan but I I I think that Lloyd would have enough. And, and don't get me wrong, I think Sheedy would as well, but I think Lloyd would have enough against Irish to for, to, to dictate play enough for us to win the game. But I'll tell you what, it's, we'll, it's made we'll it see. quite excitingly to see what happens this week. <laughs> well, well, let me let me put this one up the flagpole and see how it flutters for you guys. Um, if if Sheedy came back at ten and Purdy's not available, do you put Lloyd on the wing um, uh, and and start them both? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Why not? And then you know you you you've got Leua, um that that would cover the kind of centre and wing on the bench. You would have Bedlow as well, centre, uh, and would cover for number ten. Um, uh, so you know, I could possibly see that scenario where they they could both start, and then um, yeah, I, I I think that 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 keeps uh, Yoan's confidence there. 
Um, and, uh, you know, but we do get Callum back just to have that. I think if Luatoa and Callum back, I think you mentioned it earlier, Pete, I think there is that calmness and that control and that organisation, which which we've we've lacked a little bit in these in these last two games and that's no disrespect to the players that have played i think it's down to the talent and the quality of the players that have that have been out um so let's let's put uh, our money where our mouth is then um i think last week's prediction lee none of us none of us had it down for uh, a one point win but you were just the closest last week um so i will let you have the honor of not only doing a prediction for yourself for the game but also could you do one for miles as well let's start with what your prediction for miles okay so so miles is 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 going to go big on this one this week. And I think like last season, he, he did put three digits, didn't he, up on the, on the scoreboard. And I'm going to go with the same again. I think Miles can, I, I think that Miles thinks we're going to run them over. And I'm going to go for a uh, hundred and two points to three. 102 points to three. And I'm assuming that is to, for Bristol. Oh, for Bristol, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Lee, your prediction, because maybe you don't have that same kind of level of insight that Miles has, thankfully. Well, I'm, I'm going to go slightly more conservative, I think, Tone, just slightly. <laughs> um, I think this is going to be, I, do you know, I think it will be tight for a period of time, but I think we will eventually pull away. Um I'm going to go for a, a 24 points to 12 for Bristol. Okay, for Bristol. Pete, what's your thoughts on this game? Well, the weather's on the on the mend. It's going to be warmer this week, Tone. I think that will suit us, get rid of this cold snap. And I think that we're going to click. We're going to get back, get back on the beat against Irish. So I'm, I'm thinking bonus points. And I'm saying, uh, I'm going to say 35-10. Okay. Well, I, I, I think we'll do better, but I think we there, there's still a, a, a little bit to get out of our system in these last couple of games. Uh, I think it will be closer. Um, we heard Jerry from the supporters club talking about their speedy back three. Um, I am going for a Bears win, but 23 points to 21. Ooh. Ooh. I hope not. Okay. <laughs> Another nail biter. But it, it would be double our margin of victory from this week. So I'd, I'd consider that as progress. <laughs> Okay, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many, many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Right, well, let's look at some other news. Um... First of all, all, and I don't want to spend too long because I'm sure everyone, when they listen to this podcast, will have seen the international games and chewed over the uh, the main points. But uh, first of all, I wanted to come to uh, you, Lee, and t- talk about uh, 
just briefly, Callum's performance when he came on as a sub against uh, for Wales uh, against Scotland. Yeah, I mean, I thought for me personally, it was the the the, the top game of the weekend. I thought it was uh, it was a brilliant watch, end to end stuff. You know, either either side could have won the game. Um, personally, when when Sheedy came on, I thought he was he was the conductor. Uh, Jonathan Davis was actually really uh, praising him highly. Um, apart from the fact that when Scotland did score a try at the end, he, he was pretty null and void uh, in in taking his man. Um, but but Callum is he he does for me certainly feel it certainly feels like he's uh, becoming more comfortable and developing his role in the Welsh team now and. Uh, and I think he's got a massive future. I really do. Um, I, I, I think that the, the guy can can really push on with the uh, with with the Welsh side. So, so are you saying he can be bigger than bigger? Bigger than bigger. I, I think so. I mean, bigger. I love Dan Bigger. I think he's a brilliant player. I mean, he's he's uh, yeah, he's got a hell of a boot on him. I don't think Callum will ever uh, kick kick the ball as far as Bigger does, but. Um, I think that Callum's learning so much being away with the international squad. And I think it's it's obviously only going to benefit us at Bears when he comes back as well. Fantastic. Okay. And the England game, uh, back to winning ways. Um, Pete, but you're our resident uh, scrum half correspondent. Um, your thoughts on Harry Randall not even making the 23 for this game, where I think we've talked on the pod before, we, we thought this might be the one where uh, he was on the bench. Well, we did. And I mean, it didn't make any sense. I, I, the only sense that me, that I can make of this is the fact that we we mucked up so badly against Scotland that Eddie Jones didn't have much choice. He had to put his players out again just so they could redeem a little bit of uh, a bit of reput- reputation that they lost on that Scotland game. I mean, I've got to say, Ben Youngs wasn't even the best British scrum half on the pitch, was he? I mean, that 19-year-old Welsh Italian lad was better than him. It's I've I, I got nothing against Ben Youngs as a, as a pro. He's a, he, you know I I respect him for what he's done, and he was and I was excited when he came on the scene but he's had 40 caps too many and as soon as Robson came uh yeah Robson came on it was like another it was like a different sort of position just quicker more lively less ponderous I, I and I and I just I, you know I, I know we're not, I just think it was a it just seems crazy that that Randall wasn't involved and, I, and unless something major happens I can't see him being involved in uh in, in any of the, the, the remaining games, really. And it just seems like, you know, he's now been kept away from Bristol in some sort of, I think I joked with you before the, we recorded, some sort of like key worker camp where he's just, uh, we're not benefiting from him and nor's England. It's, uh, he's in some sort of limbo. But yeah, um, yeah, England were all I mean, right. They, they did all right, but it was, it was, uh, it's depressing, really, I felt. Lee, I, th- I, I think you wanted to come in there. Oh, I just wanted to just to add to what Pete was just saying is, is Randall actually going to learn anything there in the England camp? Because I mean, like for me, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I know 
Pete doesn't have anything personally against Ben Youngs, but it does feel like he is. Because... <laughs> no, I don't. But I mean, he's, he's, he's been selected to be the best player in that position yeah. on many occasions, yeah. and he's clearly not. And I'm not the only person yeah. in the in the rugby world that has that opinion. And it just, I just, I just can't fathom it. No, and I agree with you. And I don't know if if um, Harry Randall is actually going to learn that much from, uh, you know, being in that in that camp personally. No, hopefully, hopefully uh, he'll actually forget everything he learns. To be honest, when he comes back. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that last week. We don't want him getting uh, in, in, infected by that uh, mutant strain of rugby. We certainly don't want that at uh, Bristol, but it will be fascinating. I, I like you, Pete. I can't really see um, where he's going to get that uh, first cap in the Six Nations um, if if they didn't play him against Italy, unless uh, there's an injury to Robson or Youngs. Um, yeah. I I I I struggle to see against Wales, Ireland, and France. Is Eddie Jones going to uh, put him on the bench? Um, no. So great shame. Just wanted to mention though, Carl Sinclair getting man of the match. So uh, yeah. congratulations to yes. Carl. Um, uh, also wanted to do a shout out to uh, the women's team. Uh, they beat Sale Sharks 22-12 at home, which I think is their uh, their first win in 2021. So uh, congratulations to the women's team. Uh, and also one of our listeners, Pete Hale, that uh, sits a few rows behind us in the Dolman, uh, celebrating a special birthday on Saturday. Uh, so uh, I know it's maybe not the birthday celebrations, Pete, you would have liked to had, but uh, hopefully a little bit made up for by getting your name mentioned on your favourite rugby podcast. And uh, one other uh, thing before we finish, and we talked about, uh, there was a little clue from Pete earlier in the show about coffee. And uh, I, uh, as I do quite often on a Sunday, go for a walk with the family and uh, up onto the Downs in Bristol. Uh, And we usually like to have a a cup of coffee and uh, we have a new place to go to because uh, a new coffee uh, shop or cafe called Burra, uh, B-U-R-R-A, a has just opened up and it is the brainchild of Luke Morahan and Jake Heenan. Uh, so I can say from firsthand experience, it is excellent coffee. And as a fan of Bristol Bears, my coffee tasted even better today because uh, it was served to me by Luke Morahan himself. So Luke and Jake, you you scored crucial tries at the weekend. You made game-saving tackles at the weekend. And you've also knocked out some fantastic flat whites. So uh, I think uh, any of our listeners, if they fancy a uh, a brew and they're up in the... Uh, well, the, the shop is actually on 7 Lower Redland Road, which is just off White Ladies Road. Those people that know Bristol, if you go up White Ladies Road and there's a little Tesco extra, just before you get to the Jersey Lily. Uh, It's the road down there. So uh, highly recommended and good luck, Jake 
and Luke with your coffee shop business. Um, well, that's uh, that's nearly it for for this week, um, gentlemen. As ever, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and for all you listeners out there, if you like what you've heard, please do think about leaving a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of the London Irish game and more Bristol Bears news. Until then, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz. Mm-hmm.